10. Now we have this week and next week, and we're going to wrap up Galatians. And then the following, well, the following week I'll be out of town. But after that, um, I believe we're going to start Hosea. So if you've ever been itching to study the book of Hosea, we're going to start that soon. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. If you've ever done any gardening or farming or anything like that, there may be something that you've noticed. If you take a bean seed and place it in the ground, you will grow a bean plant. If you don't grow a bean plant, it means that you didn't have a bean seed. It means you had another kind of seed. Because when you take a bean seed and put it in the ground, it produces a bean plant. And you might be going, well, duh. <laughs> That's obvious, right? Uh, yes, it is. It's one of those universal things. It's a universal law. You will reap what you sow. If you sow corn, you will reap corn. If you sow wheat, you will reap wheat. And there's, on some level, we can go, that's not a hard lesson. If that's the lesson today, let's go. I've got it. Reap what you sow. And it is an easy lesson when we talk about agricultural things. It becomes less easy when we apply it to the whole of our life, to spiritual things. You will reap in your life that which you sow. Because here's the thing, reaping and sowing is something God had fixed from the very beginning. In Galatians 8.22, uh, he says this to Noah, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. It is a guarantee seed time and har will follow, or seed time precedes harvest. Harvest follows seed time. But Paul is taking this principle and he's applying it to the whole of our life. How you live in this life affects the whole of your life. If you sow that which is in the spirit, then you will reap in the spirit. But if you sow that which is in the flesh, you will reap that which is in the flesh. You will reap destruction. It's all about how we live. How are we going to live out the Christian life? Or are we going to fail to live out the Christian life? It's about our sanctification. Will we reap holiness? Or will we reap destruction? What kind of farmers will you be before the king of the universe? We'll see three things this morning as we look at this. Sowing destruction is the first one. The second is sowing in the spirit. And third and finally, we'll see sowing what is good. Sowing destruction, sowing in the spirit, sowing what is good. 
As we've seen, the principle of sowing is true both agriculturally, but it's also true spiritually. And the whole of the created order will continue to be how God has set it. This is why he begins here by saying God will not be mocked. In essence, his creation will not be mocked. The way he has ordered things will not be mocked. You will not make God's creation something it is not. You sow, then you reap. It's not something different. And so in this vein, if God will not be mocked, if, if indeed we will always reap what we sow, then Paul here uses two different types of sowing. Sowing in the flesh and sowing in the spirit. He begins with sowing in the flesh, this thing that we inherited from Adam, sinfulness. We sow in the flesh. William Perkins says this, There are two sorts of seeds which men sow in this life, good and evil. Two kinds of sowers, spiritual men and carnal men. Two sorts of grounds in which the seed is sown, the flesh and the spirit. Two sorts of harvest, which men are to reap according to the seed, corruption and life. In essence, Paul is teaching us this. Your actions have consequence. Your actions have consequence. And again, I think we can grasp this lesson fairly uh, straightforwardly. If you are going down 231 and you are speeding and there is a cop on the side of the road, you will get to get a ticket. The action of speeding has a consequence of ticket. You sowed speed, you reaped ticket. That's the lesson, right? And we could, you can make this application across the board, right, about anything. In my house, if you disrespect mother, you get a spanking. Disrespect mother is what you sow. Reaping is this punishment. It's how it works. This is what Paul is telling us. Your present actions determine future consequence. If you pander to the flesh, guess what you'll reap? Judgment. If you pursue the spirit, then you reap eternal life. The unbeliever who does not have the spirit of God is dominated by the flesh. It comes with all its sinful desires. Yet this struggle is also true for the Christian, isn't it? We know that even the Christian struggles with sowing in the flesh, fighting against our sinful, fallen nature. And I don't think we have to make a far leap here to understand that Paul is continuing to talk about the Judaizers, those who are seeking to sow in the law, to justify themselves in the law. And Paul is continuing to say, this is empty. You're only sowing in your own flesh. Today we have this phrase, and we might call it, we, we could say it's the same as this. Oh, well, he's just sowing his wild oats. And we use that term, right? To justify wrong action. Oh, he's just sowing his wild oats. When in the reality... What that person is doing is harmful to the body and soul. It, it produces a decay that is both physical and spiritual. You will always reap what you sow. 
There's a great deception that is going on all around us. It is put forth by media and the world, and it says this. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. As long as it makes you happy, do it. And you don't have to be held accountable for it. And there's a part of us that goes, no, that's not right. But look at the way the world's going. You can do what you want and not be held accountable for your actions. And I think we're at a time, at least in America, where we are actively, collectively, as a nation, mocking God. Saying, I can live however I want before God, and I don't have to fear the consequences. And they'll go even as far as saying, because God has no power. He is powerless. We have declared him to be dead. So he has no power over us. So I can live my life however I want to live it with no consequences. But the reality is this, that if we even put God aside for a second, which, you know, we're not actually going to do, cause and effect does not go away. Reaping and sowing, the principle does not go away. You cannot live however you want with no consequence. And anyone who thinks they can are fooling themselves. Those who indulge in the flesh will reap what they sow. We cannot forget this. We cannot turn our noses up at God. We cannot despise him by pleasing our sinful nature and then mocking him whenever we get the chance. People who think they have one over on God are only fooling themselves. They're sowing in the sinful nature and they will reap destruction. And we could go throughout scripture and from place to place and see examples of this. Goliath, the Philistine, the great giant of a man, Mocked the people of God, didn't he? What was Goliath's end? He ended up with a stone in his forehead and his head removed from the rest of his body. Ooh, did I hear ooh? <laughs> That's what happened to Goliath. As my wife likes to abridge the story of, as she reads to Josiah, this children's story, she likes to add that part. And then Josiah's got his head cut off. Or, and then Goliath got his head cut off. And I'm like, come on. But it's true. King Herod mocked God. You know what happened to King Herod? He was eaten by worms. And you could go over and over and over in scripture and find people who mocked God and see what they reaped. And so the question for us is this. Are you sowing seeds of destruction? What is it that is important to you? What is it that you place value in? What is it that you will work towards above all else? Because here's the reality. Sowing is hard work. Farming is hard work. And whether you're sowing in the spirit or you're sowing destruction, it is hard 
work. And we can tell a lot about ourselves by seeing what it is we're working for. Are we working hard to be in the world? Are we working hard to wrap ourselves in the world's values? Or are we working hard in our faith? Are we working hard to come before God in prayer? Understanding that it's not about earning salvation. You've heard this phrase, uh, once saved, always saved. And there's a certain truth to that. Now that has been abused. But I would challenge you in this that it's not only that, but we could also say this, once saved, always serving. If you are saved, if you are truly God's child, then you will always be serving. You will always be working. We must be sowing that which is pleasing to God. Paul calls this sowing in the spirit. Because the seeds of destruction are not the only things that we sow. We can also sow in in faith. Sowing in the spirit that which yields good fruit. When planted in good fields, it will yield a rich harvest. Last week, we saw that one of the ways we do this is supporting the ministers of God's word. That's how we ended last week, but that's not the only thing we do. Sowing in the spirit means following the spirit's lead, obeying his instruction for holy living. Sowing the kind of seeds that come from those fruits of the spirit, love, patience, joy, kindness, faithfulness. We must be sowing in the spirit, living for Christ in every last area of our life. Everything we think, everything we say, everything we do must be done for the glory of God. Now, I don't know about you, but it is hard, or or I should say this, it would be impossible for me to stand here and say that everything I think, say, and do is being done for the glory of God. How about you? We don't do everything that we should to the glory of God because we are sinful. We still have that sinful nature lingering in us, but we have to be actively working against that. We have to be sowing in the spirit. And why do we sow in the spirit? Or what is the benefit of sowing in the spirit? Paul says that you who sow in the spirit reap the reward of eternal life. In essence, it's saying this, if you are in Christ, if Christ is your own, then you are serving constantly, becoming more like Christ. And as we serve and become more like Christ, we look forward to the ultimate eternal life that we have in him. Believers then are doers. Being saved by grace, we display that grace as a work. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes, he imparts, he gives to us that eternal life. Eternal life is God's gift to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. Scriptures tell us that the same Spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will raise you from the dead on the last day. And we begin to taste of this as soon as we come to faith. He gives us assurance, he gives us joy, he gives us hope. 
in the resurrection. William Perkins went on to say this, if men could be persuaded of this, that the time of this life is seed time, that the last judgment is the harvest, and that as certain as the husband, husbandman which sows his seed looks for increase, so we for our good work, a recompense to full, how, oh, how fruitful should we be, how plentiful, how full of good works. We are in seed time. We are to be working, actively working in the kingdom of God. We are called to sow in the spirit. He has sent us his spirit as a helper because he knew we would need him. That apart from him, we would not sow good seed. Knowing that we have the spirit, we must live in the spirit. We must come before him. It's not something that happens by chance. What does that mean? If I go home and I sit on the couch and say, well, I'm going to sit here and watch TV till the spirit comes. What will happen? It's not going to happen, right? It's an active thing. The spirit has come. He is in my life. But if I am not working, if I am not sowing good seed, I have to be working. I must come before him. I must go into his word. What would the spirit have me do? Go to his word. See what his word says. And it teaches me, love the Lord your God. So I have to actively be loving God. And it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And I have to be actively loving my neighbor even as I love myself. Our life must be modeled after the spirit. It's the work of sanctification that's always going on in our life. Holiness becomes the goal of life. Is holiness your goal? Is holiness your goal? Are you conforming your words, your thoughts, your actions, your deed to, deeds to the holiness of God? This is what he's called us to. It's a sowing that must be practical. We must be actively doing that which is good while at the same time be actively not doing that which is evil. I think Paul writes verse 9 here, or says verse 9 here, because he knows us. And let us not grow weary of doing good. I think Paul tells us that we should not grow weary because he knows that we're prone to growing weary, doesn't he? We are prone to, do, to growing weary because sowing when it is done right is hard. And we know that we are weak. I think that's why you oftentimes will hear people who are active in the ministry, be them pastors or uh, lay workers who are paid in the church, or even those who are just volunteers, will often talk about something that say, well, I'm just burned out. I'm just burned out. People grow tired. They experience opposition, sometimes from the people they're trying to help the most. 
And Paul says, don't grow weary. Don't grow weary of doing good. Because you will reap. Don't give up. There is much work to be done. There's neighbors to love. There are sinners to restore. There are burdens to bear. And sometimes it is tempting just to go, I just can't anymore. Spiritual failure can, can be brought on by physical fatigue. But we have to stop resting on our own strength and start resting in the Lord. And this is so hard to do. I can't tell you how many times I, I become very thankful for Steve Farmer. Steve likes to remind me of this. Because I'll come to Steve and I'll say, Steve, I just won't complaining about one thing or other. And he'll say to me, it's not about you. That's important, isn't it? It's not about you. It's about God. And that's a hard thing to remember, isn't it? And I'll look at him and I go, I know, I know, I know. And what I'm really saying is, I don't want you to tell me that right now. <laughs> Because it's hard. Because I want to be tired and I want to grow weary and I want to say, just throw my hands in the air. It's hard because that's our, our sinful nature. But Paul says, look, it comes with great reward. It comes with eternal life. You will reap if you do not give up. So do good to everyone especially those of the household of faith. Look, he leaves nobody out here. He says, do good to everyone, those in the church and those out of the church. We are to be seeking their good. Labor for Christ. Encourage one another to do the same. Remember, you must always be serving. Because here's the problem. There are times, and I'm guilty of this, I'm sure you're guilty of this, in the Christian life where we like to throw, we, we get a lot of momentum and then we like to throw it into neutral, right? You throw it in neutral and the, the idea is, I used to do this when I first started driving, how far can you coast before the car stops, right? It's one of those dumb things you do as a kid when you start driving. Don't do that. Anybody who's learning to drive, don't do that. You just throw it in neutral and see how far the car will take you. But here's the problem with throwing it in neutral. What always happens? You stop. You always stop eventually. If the car is no longer actively moving forward, it will stop. We cannot stop. We cannot lose our spiritual momentum. Revelations twenty two twelve. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. God will repay each of us for what we've done. I, I thought it would be a good thing to consider here is the life of William Carey. William Carey was a missionary to India, first missionary to India. And William Carey went over, and for the first seven years, not one convert. Seven years. That's longer than I've been a minister of this church at this point. Can you imagine what that would be like. He wrote this. He wrote a letter home saying this. I feel as a farmer does about his crop. 
Sometimes I think the seed is springing, and thus I hope. A little time blasts all, and my hopes are gone like a cloud. They were only weeds which appeared. For if a little corn sprung up, it quickly dies, being either choked with weeds or parched up by the sun of persecution. Yet I still hope in God and will go forth in his strength. Can you imagine laboring year after year after year after year, even as a farmer, like a real farmer, and never get any reward for the labors of corn or beans or squash or cucumber, whatever it might be. For seven years, every year, no harvest for all your work. Could you imagine just how crushing that is? And in 1800, seven years after he came to India, he baptized his first Hindu convert in India. Seven years. Laboring for God. Going forth in his strength. Because William Carey understood something. He was required to keep going. There was no giving up. There was no turning back. The harvest time would soon come. And he had to be sowing now. The opportunity was limited and he did not want to miss it. There's a time to sow and there's a time to reap. And soon the seeding time is over. So the question we're left with is, what kind of seed are we sowing? Are you sowing seeds of destruction? Or are you sowing good seed in the spirit? Knowing this, you will reap what you sow. This is the hardship, I believe, of the Christian life. Because here's the reality. None of us sow good seed all the time. And oftentimes we are seeding, sowing bad seed. Because the, the Christian life is full of peril. The world seeks to wear us down. We often treat one another with contempt and anger. We grow weary and we grow tired. And it's something we all feel at times. And we can be tempted to give up or we can be tempted to give excuses. We make excuses to ourselves and to others why we simply cannot serve. We take breaks from ministry that lead us into coasting to doing nothing. We become stagnant and we suffer. We say things like, if they won't do it the way I want them to do it, I'm not going to help. We must labor for the kingdom of God. Being reminded that even as Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. It is eminent. Time for harvest has come. It is coming. And we will share in the eternal glory of the Son. Granted through His finished and accomplished work. Because everything we do, everything we do in this life, every labor that we do, we do in Christ who has already gone before us. We do it through the working of the Spirit of God, which he has sent to us as that helper. 
Brothers and sisters, the Christian life is one of work. It's one of labor. It's one of going forth. And we must be making sure that we are working in the right way. And again, let me remind you, it's not about how we earn our salvation. It's not that we work to please God in order that we might be saved. That's not what it's about. It's understanding that we are saved by the grace of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For all those who have called upon him, who are, who are his children, and because we are his children, we work. It's one of those things I did not understand as a child, and I wish that I could make my children understand now. We serve, I, I, I should have, as a child, of course I was a child, so I didn't get it, served my parents when they had, had me to do something because I wanted to honor them. Because they loved me. I should serve my king because he loves me. Because he has given me life. We have to be working, not sowing seeds of destruction. Not going after the things of this world. Not going after those things that draw our attention away from God. And brothers and sisters, they are all around us, enticing us. Dangling their fruit before us, as it were. Come, taste and eat. It's good, as the serpent says to Eve. And we look at the world, and the world says, wouldn't it be so much better? Wouldn't your life be so much better if you just did what you wanted to do? Eat, drink, and be merry. Fulfill and sustain your life. Do what will make you happy right now. And the rest of that is what? For tomorrow we die. In essence, saying... After that, it doesn't matter. It's the lie of this world, isn't it? Do what you want to do. Live how you want to live. Paul says, no, that only sows destruction. You must sow seeds of the Spirit, those things from above, those things which are well and pleasing to God. And be assured, it's not easy. It's not always fun. It's hard, sweaty, back-breaking labor. We must be doing it. And we do it with joy. Knowing that even as Jesus went before us, Jesus, Jesus' road was not easy, was it? Even if you leave out, and you can't, but even if you want to leave out for a second, the actual crucifixion event... Jesus was continually rejected along his path, wasn't he? Continually, at every corner, there were those saying, this is man doesn't have any idea what he's talking about. He's a blasphemer. He angered people. We are to go forth like him, understanding that as we do so, we will at times anger people. We will be rejected by this world. But we don't please this world. We are to please God, sowing that which is good. Knowing that we will grow weary, but still continually resting and trusting in him, returning to him, seeking the holiness of God in all of our life. Doing good to everyone. Man. 
why do we have to do good to everyone? Because there are some people it's just not fun to do good towards, is it? Isn't it? It's not pleasant to do good to this person or that person. They're difficult. They're hard. Do good to everyone. In essence, Paul is saying, we are to represent Christ to everyone. To our enemies, to our loved ones, to those in the church, to those out of the church. Show them Jesus. Seek the holiness of God in all of your life. This is Paul's encouragement to us. I think with no mistake coming off of last week's saying restoring the brother with spirits of gentleness bear one another's burden work boasting not in ourselves but in God himself bear one another's load do all good things Because as you do this, you sow in the Spirit. And as you sow in the Spirit, you are actively not sowing seeds of destruction. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is my prayer for you and it is my prayer for me. That we would sow seed that which is sow seed that is good. Even when it's hard. to refrain, to fight against, actively sowing seeds of destruction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what Paul talks about, this hardship of the Christian life, of putting the sinful man to death and living to Christ, is a hard thing, but we are called to do that, for it is what the Christian life is about, being sanctified, being in him. Lord, we are so thankful for the sending of your spirit. Would he even be here with us now, helping us to see that which is good, to sow that which is good, and to be putting off all other things. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's stand now as we sing our hymn.